Thank you for listening to the Haven Baptist Church podcast. Haven Baptist Church is a worship community in Santa Clarita, California. We are united by our faith in Jesus, passionate about our relationship with God, and devoted to impacting our world with the gospel. At Haven, we are committed to the passionate, expository preaching of God's Word, and it is our prayer that this message will encourage you and challenge you as you listen. He is worthy of praise, whether we acknowledge it or believe it or not. That really doesn't change the reality that He's worthy of praise. And I would just say this, he's worthy of your life, and I would encourage you to follow him and give your heart to him. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, friend, let me just tell you, the best life you'll ever live is a life lived for Jesus Christ, following him. And so let me encourage you just to to leave everything behind and follow Jesus, and you'll never be sorry that you did. Thank you for being here today. What a great crowd, great singing this morning. Thank you so much for being a part of this special service. We've got a lot of stuff planned uh, throughout the day today. We've got a great meal coming up, but don't be thinking about tacos while I'm preaching, all right? And so that's coming. You're probably, that smell is going to start drafting in here in just a minute, and everybody's going to be thinking about tacos and all that's coming up in just a little bit. But take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 24, and I am going to finish out this series today that we began four, five weeks ago now uh, called Under Construction. And this is a series about sanctification, which I'll talk about that in just a moment. If you've been here, you've heard me kind of lay out what sanctification is, but I'll go through that in review for those of you who may be here for the first time today. We're just glad you're here. Thank you for being a part of this service. Let's jump into the Bible today, Proverbs 24. We're going to read two verses of Scripture to begin in verses 3 and 4, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump into the message this morning. This is the word of the Lord, Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this day of life. What a joy it is to be gathered together with your people on this first day of the week. Lord, I love gathering on Sunday as we come together as the people of God, just recommitting our hearts and lives to you afresh and anew. Lord, we believe you're worthy of the first fruits of our life. Lord, we use that verse sometimes in context of giving financially, and that's one part of it. But help us to be like those Macedonians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 who Before they ever gave any finances, they gave themselves to the Lord. Lord, I pray we give ourselves to you afresh and anew once again today. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. You're the same yesterday, the same today, and you'll be the same forever. And we worship you, for you are worthy of our worship today. We ask that you would please speak to hearts through the word of God today. Help me as I preach. Lord, there are many things on my heart and mind today, but... I pray for these few moments that you would arrest our attention in this passage and that you would teach us from your word and develop us to be more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're saved today, you are part of a building program. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now, and there's a construction project happening in your life, and it's called sanctification. We're going to put the definition on the screen, but sanctification is a big theological word that very basically just speaks of the work of God in your life to construct you in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That is a work that is progressively happening in our life today. And in Proverbs chapter 24, we understand that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And Solomon is teaching his son how to be a wise man and how to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And ultimately, we know that 
wisdom personified is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in essence, Solomon is teaching his son how to grow in the image of Jesus Christ. And we've learned that Solomon is using an analogy here, a a metaphor, if you will, uh, of a building project. And that's why we're calling this series Under Construction. The way we will be built into the image or created, constructed in the image of Jesus Christ, number one, is to be built with wisdom. This is the foundation. It's found in verse number three. Solomon says, through wisdom, a house is built. And we, we learned in that series, you can go back and listen to the podcast, we learned in that message that we can come to the gate, and that won't make sense unless you go listen to that message, but I encourage you to go listen to it. That's what it was called, come to the gate. We come to the gate of where the wise people are, and we receive wisdom. We get God's sense about life. We're built with wisdom. That's the foundation. We're established with understanding. That's what it says in verse 3. By understanding, it is established. And wisdom is the foundation. Understanding is the structure. So we surround ourselves with godly Christian people who will counsel us and encourage us to continue in the Christian life. But I love that we're going to conclude this message on number 3. We are to be filled with knowledge. Did you notice that in the text? Verse number 4. By knowledge... Solomon says, shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now the word chambers right there in your Bible is referring to rooms. We would call it rooms. And so continuing with the analogy of a house that is being built and established, now what Solomon says is, son, what was empty is now being filled. And notice how these rooms are being filled. Did you notice what he says? They will be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, don't take offense to this, but what Solomon is saying, let me bring it into 2023 terms. Son, this is not Ikea furniture going into this house, all right? Precious and pleasant riches. Son, this is not, thank you, Heather. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. One person got got the joke there. So this is not Ikea furniture going in the house. Son, this is not... Uh, secondhand stuff off a of Facebook marketplace that's going into this house. This is precious and pleasant riches that are going to be placed inside of this house that has been constructed. I was doing some just generic research this week thinking about expensive furniture. And this is going to blow your mind. Guys, will you put that picture up there? This is something called the badminton chest. Now, no offense, but I think it's kind of ugly. This is my own personal take uh, this morning. This is something called the badminton chest. This was the most expensive piece of furniture that has ever been sold. It features amethyst quartz apart from other precious stones. This masterpiece was created by 30 different designers and took them six years to create this chest. In 1726, Henry Somerset, the third Duke of Beaufort, commissioned the creation of a magnificent ebony cabinet at the tender age of 19. The cabinet, now famously known as the Badminton Cabinet, was meticulously crafted and was sold for $36.7 million. I could do a lot with $36 million, I'm just saying. More than buying a chest, right? But I want to say this morning, while that's impressive, listen to me. God wants to fill your life with precious and pleasant riches that are not worth $36.7 million. They are worth eternal value. And it's really cool that we get to conclude this series today, especially on this particular day, because the primary goal of the journey of the Christian life is that we would be being filled with these precious and pleasant riches mentioned in verse number four. It's almost as if his son is saying, hey, hey, listen, 
if you'll allow your life to be founded on wisdom and established with understanding, there will come a day, if you'll trust the process, you will see the progress when those precious and pleasant riches will be moved into the house. Today I'm titling my message, It's Moving Day. I don't know how many of you have ever been through the process of constructing a new house. But I, I, I haven't personally been involved with that, but I've known a lot of people who've been involved with that. And that is just a, a ridiculously difficult process. As you're watching the foundation being laid, and as you're watching the structure go up, and as you're watching them begin to put drywall on the walls and put the electricity and all the different things that they have to do, it feels like it just takes forever. But then that wonderful day comes when the house is complete, and now we begin getting uh, ready to move in to the house. Well, that's exactly what Solomon is saying. Son, if you'll just trust the process, you will see the progress. If you'll allow the foundation of wisdom to be laid in your life, if you'll allow understanding to be structured in your life, there will come a day when precious and pleasant riches will be moving in to that house. I was thinking about my, my mom and dad are here today. We're so glad to have them with us today from North Carolina. And I want you to get to meet them throughout the day. I can remember when I was first, when we first got married, me and Amber, and we were moving into our house. I can remember my dad telling me, son, don't expect to have as newlyweds what your mom and I have after being married for 25 years. You know what he was saying? Uh, don't rush the process. Trust the process and you'll see the progress in your life. And I want to say to you uh, this morning, there are some people in here this morning, you just recently began following Jesus and the foundation of wisdom is being laid in your life. I mean, you're just now getting to understand the Bible, beginning to understand the importance of reading the Bible and memorizing the Bible. You just recently began to see the construction process where the structure is beginning to go up. And I'm telling you this morning that if you will remain faithful to God and keep following Jesus, moving day, is coming. Have you ever been through the process of, of building? It's, it's not fun. It takes forever. It seems, there be, seems to have a lot of setbacks and there, all the difficulties of moving. But on moving day, when you begin to move into that building and begin enjoying what was built, those heartaches of the building process begin to fade away. And this is the progression of the, the Christian life if you'll stick it out. Look at this verse, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow there. So what began as a ju just as a foundation with wisdom develops into a structure of understanding and now comes the day when we really begin to see some beautiful things being moved into that structure. So what are these precious and pleasant riches mentioned in Proverbs 24? Well, as I studied this passage, I found at least three things that I want to share with you today and I want you to write them down in your notes. Number, number one or letter A, we see the riches of righteousness. Verse number 15, please. Proverbs 24, 15. The Bible says, lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. The word righteous there means that which is right and just. Specifically, that which is right according to God's law. Now let me talk to you a little bit about righteousness this morning. Ultimately, those who have been saved stand before God justified, don't miss this, because of our position. We say it like this, we are in Christ. Let me show you some scripture found in Philippians 3, 9, where the Apostle Paul explains this righteous position by saying his desire was to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. 
Aren't you thankful this morning, if you've been saved, we have been justified. You know what that literally means? We stand before God completely just and completely righteous this morning. Not because of anything we've done, but because of the finished work of our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross. We are not working to obtain righteousness before God. We stand before Him clothed in the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 20 says this, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look at this. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are righteous, not because of our good works, we are righteous and we are justified today because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We stand before God in Christ, clothed in his righteousness. I love this from Dr. J. Vernon McGee, who said, and I want you to follow this quote. He said, all of mankind is divided between the saints and the ain'ts. If you ain't in Christ, then you are an ain't. If you are in Christ, then you are a saint. Anybody appreciate the plainness and simplicity of that quote this morning? Some of the quotes I use, sometimes y'all are like, I have no idea what that guy just said. That one's pretty easy. Saints, ain'ts, right? But you know what's good news? If you've been saved this morning, you can say, I am a saint. I am set apart in Christ. Does that mean we're perfect? Absolutely not. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. We still struggle. We still sin. We still have to ask God for forgiveness. But when God looks at me, listen to me, when God looks down at Zach Pope, he doesn't see a, a wicked, hell-bound sinner who's filled with fault and failure. When he looks at me, he sees the righteousness of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm a saint because of Christ. So beginning with that important truth of justification, which basically says, I am saved from the penalty of sin, there's also an important truth in God's word concerning sanctification that says I am being saved from the power of sin. And I believe this, that a proper understanding of our position, that I am in Christ, will have a profound impact on our practice. A.W. Tozer said, the spring of Christian morality is the love of Christ, not the law of Moses. Nevertheless, there has been no abrogation of the principles of morality contained in the law. You know what he's saying right there? The reality is God's morality has not changed. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. God uh, this is the same holy and righteous God today that he has always been. And listen now, he wants to develop within us the pleasant and precious riches of righteousness. 1 Peter 1.15 says it like this, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, I know we don't hear much preaching on this anymore, but the Bible is very clear to teach us that God is a holy God. There is no sin in our God. There, in fact, the Bible teaches us that he absolutely cannot sin. He cannot lie. And God wants to develop within us a holiness. Not that we can't sin, but that, I've said it like this before, not that we would ever become sinless, but that we would sin less. 
God wants us to grow in grace. God wants us to develop in righteousness. That is a precious and pleasant rich that God, uh, riches that God wants to develop in our life. The man who is built by wisdom and established with understanding will understand the beauty of holiness. That it is not something to avoid, but indeed it is something to desire. Becoming more like Jesus is something that fills and fulfills. You know, so many times we look at the Bible and all we can see about the Bible is when the Bible says, thou shalt not. And we look at it as restrictive. And we look at the Bible and we say, man, all it, it's a very negative book. And it tells me everything that I can't do. And, and that's why I don't want to read it, Pastor. I want to stay positive. Let me tell you something. If God's telling you that you shouldn't do something, if the Bible's saying, thou shalt not, that is for your ultimate good. The best life we could live is a life that is in accordance and obedience to the word of God. I read a great article this week called The Protection of Obedience. Now, I want the guys to put the, the picture up on the screen. And what you're going to see here is Hurricane Charlie that slammed into Florida in 2004 with 145 miles per hour winds. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Hurricane Hillary last week. I know for Southern Californians, that was like the worst storm of the past century. But Hurricane Charlie, to kind of create a comparison had 145 mile per hour winds and it destroyed, listen to this, more than 12,000 homes. But a later study by a group of insurance companies found, listen, that almost all of those homes had something in common. They had been built prior to 2001. Well, what's significant about that? Well, in 2001, a strict new building code was adapted which required homes to be strengthened to withstand hurricane force winds. Jeff Burton, who was a building code manager for the Institute for Business and Home Safety, said this, there is very, very strong evidence that buildings built under the 2001 code that were built properly and inspected fared much, much better than the buildings that were built prior. The building code as it exists today did its job. He said, there is a, I'm sorry, this is what the person in the article said. This is a, there is a reason for the building code and those who follow it find that it works. And the same is true about the word of God. You know what we do so often? I'm just trying to help you this morning. You know what we do so often? I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to dress how I want to dress and do what I want to do. And nobody can tell me any different. And the hurricane storms of life come blowing through. And on the other side of the hurricane, there's damage and there's destruction. But you know, I'll tell you what, if you'll learn to follow God's word and say, Lord, if you say it's right, I'm going to say it's right. If you say it's wrong, I'm going to say it's wrong. If you command it, I'm going to obey it. If we'll do that, we'll find that there's so much protection and obedience to the word. Titus 2.14 says that Jesus, listen to this, Jesus gave himself for us. Why? Why did Jesus give himself for us? That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Yes, hey, Jesus died to purchase us. That's what the word redeem means. He died to purchase us from the grip of sin, but he also died to purify us. He wants us to become a peculiar people. By the way, the word peculiar does not mean that he wants us to be strange or weird or bizarre or irrelevant in our current culture. Here's what it means. The word peculiar means being beyond usual, special, that which is one's own. In other words, when we recognize that we belong to the king of kings, hey, it will compel us to live for his glory. 
We're not going to just live like everyone else and go where they go and wear what they wear and listen to what they listen to and watch what they watch. We belong to the king, and we're going to live like it. There are the riches of righteousness. Let her be. There are the riches of resting, and I'll do this very quickly. The last point is the one I want to get to. Look at verse number 15, Proverbs 24, 15. It says, lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. Friends, we have an enemy today who is the devil, along with the powers of darkness that are working overtime to convince our world that rest can be found in a whole host of different places. The enemy says you can find rest in fame. The powers of darkness say that you can find rest in riches, that you can find rest in possessions, that you can find rest in indulgence or career success. But can I stand up this morning and say this, that rest, true rest is found only in one place, and that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews 4.9 declares, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Matthew Henry said this, God has always declared man's rest to be in him and his love to be the only real happiness of the soul and faith in his promises through his son to be the only way of entering that rest. You know what Jesus said in John 10? Come on, listen to these words this morning. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly that is what God wants for your life friends God well, God doesn't want to cage you up and and prevent you from living a abundant life no Jesus said I actually came to set you free from sin so that you could live in righteousness so that you could live in accordance to my will because when you're living in righteousness when you're living in accordance to my will that is where you will find true rest for your souls and that is why Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Hey, if you're here this morning and you've been looking for rest in a job, you've been looking for rest in a car or a house or some other type of a entertainment, I'm, I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's one place for you to find rest, and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the rest that's available to us today. Hey, do you have that, that, that possession, that pleasant and precious riches that God is bringing into your life the enjoyment of rest in his will Dr. Tony Evans said the rest God promises is participation in and enjoyment of the blessings he has planned Solomon says hey son I want you to I want you to be under construction. I, I want you to build your life upon wisdom. I want you to be established with understanding but I want you to be filled by knowledge let her see, and last of all this morning, we see the riches of resiliency. The riches of righteousness, the riches of rest. But I really wanted to get to this this morning. I want to help you, church, this morning. The riches of resiliency. Look at verse number 16 in our text, Proverbs 24, 16. Watch, watch this. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now, this is a point that I really sense God wanted me to get to this morning. One of the precious and pleasant riches, in fact, I believe it's one of the most precious and most pleasant riches of the Christian whose life is being filled is their ability and really the grace of God within them, God's ability through them to persevere through life's most difficult moments. 
Proverbs 24.10 says something very interesting. Now I want you to look at it. Where Solomon says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Now I was thinking as I was studying this week, the opposite of that verse is also true. We could say, if you don't faint in the day of adversity, your strength is large. And now in verse 16 of our text, we find three practical truths about life. And I want to give them to you from this verse this morning. Number one, don't miss this. Falling isn't optional. We see that in verse number 10 and verse number 16 where it speaks of the day of adversity. And then in verse number 16, it specifically says, a just man falleth. Now, when I say falling isn't optional, what I don't mean is that it is inevitable that we're all going to face some horrible moral failure. I believe, listen very closely this morning, that it is absolutely possible for us to walk in integrity and avoid that type of a tragic situation. But the Bible clearly says a just man falleth. And I'm going to define these two words in verses 10 and 16. First of all, the Bible says there's going to be the day of adversity. The word adversity means affliction. It means distress. It means trouble. The word fall in verse number 16 means to fall upon. It means to attack. It means to cause to fall, to knock out. The Cambridge Bible said this word is never used of moral lapse, but it uh, speaks of trouble or calamity. Now those two words that we just looked at refer to those moments in life. Come on, lean in right here and we'll be done in just a minute. Those two words, adversity and fall, refer to those moments in life when you feel like you just got the wind knocked out of you. Have you ever had a moment where you felt like you just had to tell yourself to breathe? I've had that happen over the past few weeks. I just, I would catch myself with so many things in my mind and so many different things on my plate and so many different things going on. I would catch myself just feeling that pressure of the world on my chest and would just have to take a, a deep breath, almost having to tell myself to breathe. You know what the Bible says? Listen to me. The Bible says that good people, just men, fall. Just men, good people, go through affliction. Good people go through distress. Good people face trouble. And good people have times when it feels like the wind has been knocked out of them. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, that God makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This may seem pessimistic, but Job said this. Man that is born of a woman. Let's just take a time out right there. That's everybody, by the way, all right? Contrary to popular belief in 2023, man that is born of woman, that's every human being on the planet. And by the way, we'll always be every human being on the planet. Y'all ever been fishing? You get hung up on something, you have to circle around until you can get unhung. I felt a little bit of tension right there. All right, I just want to make sure we're, make sure we're clear. Man that is born of woman, every person, Job says, is a few days and full of trouble. In the context of eternity, your life is a very small sliver of eternity, of, of, of even the time that has been recorded. And in those few days, he says, you're going to face a whole lot of difficulty. Now we might say, well, that's just Job. But you know what Jesus said in John 16, Listen to me. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you. He's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to the, to the sinners out in the world. He's talking to his followers. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. 
You know, we could say, Jesus, you're just being pessimistic. And I think Jesus would say, I'm just being realistic. You are going to face difficult times. And we're going through a little time right now of transition. And I know a lot of us feel that it's difficult and it sucked the wind out of our sails and it's knocked the wind out of our lungs. And we feel like, man, this is so, so difficult. I'm telling you, we're going to face more days like that. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. So falling isn't optional. You and I will face days of difficulty and days that feel and look like setbacks to us. Somebody said this, and again, it may sound pessimistic. You're either in a storm today just came out of a storm yesterday or about to face a storm tomorrow. I was reading a commentary by John Gill. And this is what he said, commenting on this verse. He painted a picture of the day of adversity. And I want you to just follow this quote because I think you'll be able to relate. He said, when under bodily afflictions, stripping providences, reduced to great straits and wants, or under the violent persecutions of men, which is sometimes the case of the people of God, whose times are in his hands, times of adversity as well as prosperity, and which are appointed by him when they shall come and how long they shall last, which is but, a, but for a short time, it is but a day, and yet they are apt to faint under them, though the number and continuance of their afflictions, through the number and continuance of their afflictions, when they are under the hidings of God's face, of God's face, their prayers do not seem to be heard, and salvation and deliverance do not come so soon as they expected. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. If you, if somebody told you that if you'll follow Jesus, everything's going to be great. You're never going to have bad health. I mean, you're always going to have plenty of wealth. You're always going to have plenty of prosperity. Listen, that is not a biblical view of what the Bible says about following Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So don't look at your life and go, I don't deserve this. And well, I, I, I thought I was living godly and I was trying to be faithful to church and here I am facing a difficult time. Everybody faces difficult times from time to time. In fact, did you notice in the text, Solomon says, a just man falleth seven times. Not one time, not two times, seven times. Matthew Poole said this means frequently. So what happens, friends, when the storm comes? What happens when you get knocked down? What happens when the air gets taken out of your cell or the wind gets knocked out of your lungs and we can pretty much boil it down to two possible responses offered to us in this text? Notice number two, fainting is an option. Don't miss this. This is a direct message from heaven this morning. Verse number 10, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Hey, we're all going to face moments of falling. I'm not talking about moral failures necessarily. I'm talking about difficulties. I'm talking about affliction. I'm talking about discouraging times. We're all going to face that. And one option is fainting. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The word faint literally means to cease. If you cease in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Joseph Benson said it means impatient and unable to bear sufferings. If you are impatient and unable to bear sufferings, in the day of adversity, your strength is small. He paraphrased verse 10 to say this, if, listen to this, if thou raise thy resolution flag and give way to despondency or dejection of mind, thy strength is small. Listen, please listen to every word I'm about to tell you. This is the person who, when tested by the enemy, 
raises the white flag and says, I surrender. Friends, I have to be honest and say that that is an option during this season. Pastor, I didn't want to see Haven Baptist Church come to an end. I I thought this thing was going to continue. I did too. I didn't want to see it end this way. This wasn't the the, the path of life that I was planning to travel. And the reality is when you face a day of adversity, one of the options is just to wave the white flag to your enemy and say, I quit, I give up, I surrender. Sadly, I've seen many choose that option. Things get tough in life. Storms come. They find themselves in a valley, but rather than persevere through it, they faint. Number three, and last of all, please don't miss this. Faithfulness is the best option. Did you see what he said? Come on now. You ought to let this help you this morning. Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man falleth seven times. What does he do? He rises up again. I just want to say this morning, this to me is one of the most beautiful riches that can be moved into the life of a Christian. And that is faithfulness. I talked this morning in my my community group about Paul, who was the visionary. That's a beautiful thing that God can develop in your life. I talked about Titus, who was the assistant to Paul. And that's a beautiful thing that God can develop in your life. But I talked about those brothers who are nameless, the unsung heroes You know what they were? They were just people who were faithful. They didn't have a title. They didn't get a lot of recognition. They were just common people who were just faithful. You know what? Whenever I see a person like that, it reminds me of that chest we talked about a moment ago. It's one of the most valuable resources that you can find in the life of a Christian is somebody, not necessarily who says, I'm super talented and I can do 12 different things and and I have all these amazing abilities and gifts and talents. Man, praise God for that if God's given you the ability to play a guitar or a keyboard or sing and all that. But I'm going to be honest with you. We, what we, listen, what we need more than singers or guitarists or pianists in 2023 is some Christians who would just say, come hell or high water, come mountaintop or valley. If the storm's raging or if the sun is shining, I'm just going to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I read an amazing story this week about a pastor from the 1700s whose name was Charles Simeon. They're going to put a picture of Charles Simeon on the screen. The article was entitled Standing Strong in the Face of Opposition and this is what it said. Listen to the story. When he was appointed as the pastor uh, when he was appointed As the pastor of a church in Cambridge, England in 1783, Charles Simeon was delighted. The people of the church did not share his joy. In fact, many of the prominent members of this church opposed his convictions on reaching the loss with the gospel. And to show their displeasure, they locked their pew boxes during the service and left them empty so that those who came to hear Simeon preach had to stand or sit in the aisles. I know we have no idea what that's talking about. But during this time, you literally had to rent your pew. We ought to start that back. I think that's not a bad idea. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Since y'all don't give in the offering, we'll just charge you to sit in your seat. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But in this day and time, people would have to come in and would have to pay for their pew. And these people 
despised Charles Simeon so much that they would pay for their pew, get up out of the pew, and leave the building. And listen to this. Eventually, though, God began to work. And Simeon's ministry had a powerful influence on the nation of England and the world through his efforts to encourage missionary work. And during the days of opposition, Charles Simeon wrote these words. Listen now. In this this state of things, I saw no remedy but faith and patience. It was painful indeed to see the church, with the exception of the isles, almost forsaken. But I thought that if God would only give a double blessing to the congregation that did attend, there would on the whole be as much good done as if the congregation were doubled and the blessing limited to only half the amount. This comforted me many, many times when without such a reflection, I should have sunk under my burden. The writer of this article went on to say, opposition does not mean that we are doing things wrong. Often it is evidence that we are doing things right. And if we allow ourselves to be deterred from doing anything else, we have, uh, unless we have complete approval, it is certain that we will never accomplish anything of value. Rather than being discouraged by opposition, we should take comfort in God's faithfulness and keep on doing what is right. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm just simply telling you, I realize today is a bittersweet day. We have a lot of mixed emotions right now. Things are not going the way we all necessarily thought it was going to go. But listen to me. Look at me. You have two options. Faint. Give up. Get out. Say, it's not right. That wasn't fair. That's not my plan. That's not the way I thought it was going to work out. You can faint. Or friends, you can stay faithful. You can get knocked down to the ground and say, you know what? By God's grace, I'm getting back up again. Church, you may feel like you've been knocked down today, but I want to encourage you to continue. I want to give you an admonition from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, where Paul told Timothy, look at this, in my last verse today, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In other words, Timothy, you're going to live in a culture that is anti-Christian. You're going to live in a church, uh, in a culture that is anti-Bible. You're going to face people who are going to resist you. You're going to face people that are going to oppose you. They're going to be face people that are going to knock you down. What are you going to do when you get knocked down? Here it comes, verse number 14. But continue thou. But continue thou. You know what he's saying? Timothy, it's not a question of if you're going to get knocked down. You are going to get knocked down. And it's probably not going to happen once or twice. It's probably going to happen frequently. And you're going to have to develop within you something that says, you know what? When I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up. And when the enemy knocks me down, I'm going to get back up. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stick with it and keep following Jesus. But continue thou, Timothy, in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned we're under construction y'all built with wisdom established with understanding filled with knowledge a just man falleth seven times but riseth up again when the world looks at you what do they see If we could use this analogy as we close up this series this morning, if we could use the analogy of this house that's been built, the foundation of wisdom has been laid, the structure of understanding has been 
erected, and then we have now the, the building being filled with knowledge. If we could look at your life and take a tour through your life, what would we see? When the world looks at you, do they see Jesus? Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Well, I don't know about you, church, but you're listening to a guy preach this morning who wants to be filled with those pleasant and precious riches. You know, some, some Christians, no offense, but some Christians might settle for Ikea furniture in their spiritual life. Some Christians might settle for secondhand Facebook marketplace stuff. But listen, I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven who wants to fill your life with pleasant and precious riches. Three of those precious and pleasant riches we talked about in the message today the riches of righteousness. Maybe we ought to have some people this morning who say, Lord, I'm recommitting my heart to you. I know I'm saved, but I haven't been living in a godly way. I understand my position, but my practice hasn't really been measuring up to my position. My practice isn't in line with what I've been called into the holiness of God. The riches of resting. Are you resting in Christ today? But that last one is really the one I wanted to, to get, and I felt the Holy Spirit giving me liberty to preach that this morning. The riches of resiliency. We're going through a season right now where many of us feel like we've been knocked down. And you know what? It's time to get back up. You have two options today. Come on. Listen to me now. I've been talking with many of you, and I know what your heart is telling you right now. Throw in the towel. Give up. This church thing's not for you. You've been disappointed one too many times. But you know what? You're going to have to make the choice today. Are you going to faint? Or are you going to be faithful? And it's not going to happen by us just grabbing our bootstraps and trying harder. But by God's grace, with the enabling power of the Holy Spirit of God, who lives deep inside your body, in your heart this morning, there is a God in heaven who wants to give you power to, to be faithful during this season. And I'm telling you something. When you get back up, it's funny because every time, it's interesting, every time you get back up from getting knocked down, it's almost like the Holy Spirit gives you a little more strength. And you know what? The next time you get knocked down, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but God's grace is sufficient. And so I don't really know how God has spoken to your heart this morning, but if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I have been discouraged, I have been feeling depressed, but by God's grace, I'm not going to faint. I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but why don't you just go to God right now and say, Lord, with your help through this season, I'm going to be faithful. I do feel like the wind's been knocked out of my sails. Lord, I don't understand why things are happening the way they are, but God, I want you to, to bring that, that pre precious and pleasant rich of righteousness into my life, that precious and pleasant rich of, of rest, and that precious and pleasant rich of resiliency. Lord, bring that into my life. And so, Lord, we come into your presence this morning praying for your grace, praying that you would give us strength and help. We know that we're going to face difficult times. It's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. So when we get knocked down, would you help us, Lord, to get back up? Help us to be faithful, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just say this. If you're here this morning, as we get ready to close, we'll be done in just a couple minutes. As we get ready to close, can I ask you a question? Do you know for sure that you're saved this morning? I'm not asking you about your church membership. I'm not asking you about your baptism. I'm not asking you about any religious deed that you've ever done. Do you know that you know that you are born again, that you have been saved by the grace of God? 
If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't know that. I really don't know for sure that I'm saved. Friend, the Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can be saved today. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Simply confess your sin, admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he was buried and he rose again, and call out to him for salvation today, and you can be saved. Lord, we pray that you would work on hearts, those who are saved and maybe those who are not saved. Lord, do a mighty work in our hearts today. Sanctify us, create us in the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And for all that you do, we will do our best to give you the praise and the honor and the glory, for you alone are worthy. And we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, church, for giving me the opportunity to preach this morning. And just every week, thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit and proclaim the word of God. Uh, it's been a great joy for me. And I thank God for the opportunity that he's given me to pastor this church. We'll talk more in just a little bit. We've got some special things that are coming up. I do want to tell you just for a moment uh, before we have Matt come tell us how to give in the offering today. Um, we have some, uh, a special gift for everybody today. This is something that my family put together for you guys. And I appreciate so much my wife and our, our kids helping me yesterday for a few hours putting this stuff together. But what we've done is we've put together a little photo album of different memories over the past six and a half years, six years, six and a half years really. Um, and, but here's the thing I want to show you. At the very back, there are some empty pages right here. And what I want you to do, we're going to do one per family, one photo album per family. So as you go out today, grab one of those photo albums, and then we want you to feel free to take some of those pictures on those back tables. Maybe you see yourself in a picture or you, uh, it's a memory that you love. Take the, those pictures and stick them in that album, and then you'll be able to keep this as a, as a keepsake for you to remember the ministry of Haven Baptist Church in your life. And uh, we hope that will be a blessing to you. Don't steal pictures from each other and don't, like, jump over somebody to get to a picture. Hey, I wanted that picture. If you really want it that bad, I'll print you another one for 12 cents, all right? Right? Uh, so, so don't don't uh, don't become uh, in disunity, you know, with your brothers and sisters in Christ over a twelve cent picture. All right, um, but seriously, please take that; it's free of charge. We want you to take one per family. And uh, my kids went through yesterday, and they picked out some memories uh, that they've had over the past six and a half years. And I want you to do the same. Grab one of those books, and then uh, again, you may notice there's a lot of different pictures. The way I did it, I put two pictures on each page, so there's a lot of memories in there. But maybe there's a special memory that you see on the table. Grab that and enjoy that, and uh, that'll be that'll be great. We are uh, going to be dismissed in just a moment. Let me make sure I've got everything. Uh, taken care of here. I do want to give you some instructions for how we're going to go about our food. We have a taco stand today, and we want you to stay around and enjoy that for the next hour, hour and 15 minutes. And so when you exit, you'll see the taco stand out here. Enjoy that. We have ice cold drinks as well. And if you want to, you can bring it back into the auditorium here. Uh, I know it's going to be pretty hot today. And so if you want to come back in here, that's fine. If you'll just do your best to try to clean up after yourself, um, we'd appreciate that very much. And then at 1.30, we are going to come back into the auditorium. We're going to sing a couple songs together. Uh, we're going to have a time of testimony, and we're going to give you an opportunity to share a memory or maybe a blessing that you've had here at Haven Baptist Church over the past few years. And then my dad, Pastor Stephen Pope, will be coming up to give a closing charge to our church. He'll be preaching a message called A Church in Transition. You don't want to miss that message. It's going to help you tremendously. And so I hope that you'll make plans to hang around for the meal and then for our 1.30 service today. Matt is going to come tell us how we can give in the offering, and then we will, uh, Matt, when you pray, if you'll thank God for the food, and then as soon as 
as she says amen, some of y'all can start fighting over pictures, and some of y'all can fight over tacos, all right? And uh, enjoy that and have a great time. Thank you for being here this morning. In and, and we'll continue to be um, glad that we get to spend a little bit more time together today, uh, just understanding the circumstances. Um, man, it's been a pleasure being able to get up here and give you guys an offering challenge every week. And, and just thinking about, you know, the past seven, eight months I've been able to do this. And uh, I just want to say that the goal was always to encourage you guys to be faithful givers, not to Haven Baptist Church, right. but to God. That's right. And so as I give you guys this last challenge, I just want to remind you that wherever you guys find yourself next week or the weeks afterwards, the same applies that we pray that you will be generous givers. Amen. Um, Amen. Again, it's never been about the bank account of Haven Baptist Church, and I hope that you guys understood that, that when you were giving, that it wasn't giving to necessarily to the church, but it was giving to God through the church. And so um, our, our giving challenge this week comes out of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And it says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that, storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I was thinking about this scripture, and, you know, just as I had mentioned before, that, that you were always giving to God, because God is the one that's making you this promise that he will pour out a blessing for you, for you to receive it. Amen. You know, I think about if myself or Zach were the one making those promises, you know, we'd be buying you Starbucks every week, or <laughs> we'd be, you know, trying to do something for you, but man, how great is God's promise that he will that he will take care of you, that he will bless you, that he will pour out so much that you won't have room to receive it. Amen. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, as I think about the encouragement and the challenge for you guys to be generous givers, the reason why we take this time every Sunday, we have taken this time every Sunday to encourage you guys to be generous givers is because the ultimate goal is for us to be molded and shaped more into the image That's of right. Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. And as we think about how much Jesus has given to us and how generous of a giver he was in his lifetime, in his ministry, going to a cross and dying for our sins, uh, again, I pray that in the next few weeks, next few months, that the challenge and the lesson of generosity continues um, to be strengthened and molded in Amen. your hearts. And Amen. so... Um, let's pray over today's offering. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much, God, for everything. Lord, we thank you for being a faithful God, Lord, that, that you've blessed us with so much, God. Lord, as we think about every opportunity that we've been able to give to you, not just on Sundays, but throughout every single week, every single month, every single year, um, Lord, you've given us opportunity to, to give to you, Father, but Lord, you have never lacked in giving to us, Father. And God, we are so thankful for that, Lord. Um, Lord, I, I can't help but just mention the circumstances today and understanding the reality, Lord, that um, 
this ministry, Father, or specifically Haven Baptist Church, um, Lord, that that you are completing the season uh, in all of our lives, Father. And and I use that term specifically, Father, because, again, although we understand that you are bringing to completion the season, Father, Lord, we understand that um, in the next few days and weeks, Father, you'll be opening up a new season in our lives, Father, in, in all of our lives, Lord, including Pastor and his family, God. And, Lord, I pray that you would um, continue to be with us, Father, Lord, uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is omnipresent, Father. Lord, that you are with us wherever we go, Father. And we just, we thank you so much for that, Lord. God, I, I can't help but think about the analogy of what is being preached right now through Proverbs, Father. Just the idea of a house builded, Father. Lord, as we think about the house that was built here in, in Santa Clarita that we called Haven Baptist Church, Father. I pray, Lord, that we could hang on to the memories, Father, um, the, the moments that we'll always remember, Father. The Lord, may we be reminded ultimately, Father, that, Amen. Um, that as we are pieces of a house that was built here, Father, Lord, that those pieces can be used elsewhere, Father. Amen. Lord, thank you for Pastor and his family. Thank you for the blood, sweat, and tears he poured into this ministry. I know for my wife and myself, we benefited so much from his pastoral leadership, his friendship, Father. And I know that there's so many others that can say the same. And so, Lord, as we think about the blessings that you've poured out on each one of us, we thank you for Pastor and his family for being a blessing to us. And so, Lord, we just we move forward understanding that you're faithful Amen. understanding that you care for our needs father and uh lord we just uh god i just i pray for every single person here every single person and those who weren't able to be here father that we would continue to glorify you with our lives, Amen. Father. That we would be your image bearers. Yes, Lord. That we would serve you with our lives, Father. Lord, let us not, let us not say that the past six and a half years were all in vain, Father. Amen. I pray, Lord, that that you would remind us, Father, of where you brought us to, God. Lord, I know for myself, six and a half years ago, I thought I knew you, Father. I thought I, I thought that my faith was completed, Father, that 
Lord, that my relationship with you was strong, Father, but Lord, you, you broke down some things in my life, Father, and you rebuilt them through this ministry, and, and God, I'm so thankful for that. And again, I know there's so many testimonies of that, and, and God, it's, it's heartbreaking to, to think that, again, that this may be coming to an end, but Lord, again, give us that hope that you can give us even more than this, Father. Amen. God, I think about the, the theme of one of our past years, more to come, Father. Lord, there is so much more to come, Father. As Pastor would say, our best days and years are ahead, Father, and, and I truly believe that, Lord, and we Amen. pray that you, would, that you would give us that hope, give us that faith, Father. Lord, we just, we surrender to you, Father. Amen. We surrender our plans, our lives to you, God. Use us, Lord, and God, we just, again, are so thankful for today, thankful for the weeks for for those who may have only been able to come for a few weeks father we thank you for the weeks we thank you for the months the years that that you've been able to to use this ministry father use the popes to god and bless them as as they go off into this new journey father i pray that you would use them in a mighty way lord god i pray that the rest of today that we can enjoy this time of fellowship lord enjoy this time of being in your house being around your people god lord again it is so sad but at the same time we are so thrilled to be able to have have had this opportunity to to serve you together god bless this food uh to our bodies we thank you so much for it um and again we just we love you so much uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the photos. And then we'll have our next service at 1.30. You are dismissed. Have a great afternoon.